0: I certainly don't agree that with the best part, anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the worst. <clears throat> Let's turn today to the book of Ruth, if you would. Chapter 4. It's a privilege for us to be gathered together in it today. In the... I'm glad that there's still room for him in the end. Holiday in. I'm glad we got got room for him in our hearts today. Amen. 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 We're blessed people, aren't we? Yes, we are. To be able to live in this end time. And we look around us everywhere, every day, people walking in such darkness, such sadness, people not knowing what the way is, what the truth is. God has opened our hearts and our understanding that we would be able to see. It makes me so grateful. So grateful. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like when we get there and just get to see Him, just get to be with Him forever and ever and never depart, never go anywhere else, just be there where He is. What a great thing it's going to be. I'd like to wish... Um, my youngest granddaughters today, Lee and Maria, and happy birthday! They turned fifteen today. <laughs> don't seem like it's possible, fifteen years old. Of course, some of y'all I dedicate you and yours babies, and I'm looking at y'all and think, why is everybody getting so old but me? I don't. I just can't figure it out. You know. Praise the Lord. Ruth chapter 4, verse 9. <clears throat> and Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion and Mahlon, at the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead, upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and boy it wasn't and from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day let's bow our heads together Lord Jesus we so love you today Father we're so thankful that you were willing to purchase us so our name would not be cut off.
1: Amen.
0: Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you. you fully paid the complete price that we could be redeemed. Yes. And we're thankful today. Yes. I pray that you'd speak to us from your word now, Father. Yes. This is the reason we've assembled together today. You see our needs, the needs of our brothers and sisters that are streaming in different parts of the world. Yes. Would you minister to all of them today? Yes. According to your greatness, Father in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to start this off today in somewhat a little bit of a sad tone in a way of um I guess concentration of the hour of where we are. From question and answer 64 After the bride is raptured, will any of the foolish virgin be saved or will they all be lost? See, everything will be finished for the Gentile church and the bride is taken from the earth. The Spirit of God leaves the earth. The Spirit of God leaves the earth. Now we all know it's, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult hour. So much stress, sickness, disease, heartache, trouble, wars, rumors of wars, all types of things that are going on. And we don't know exactly from one day to the next what's, what's going on around us really. <clears throat> Our government uh, spending almost 300 Million dollars just in the last week or so to be able to buy radioactive pills for the people of America. Because why? Well, apparently they're thinking there might be some bombs that's going to be dropped. Everywhere we look, there's so much sadness and trouble. And yet, as sad and difficult as it is, can you imagine what it's going to be when the Spirit of God will be lifted from the face of this earth? There'll be no more blood on the mercy seat. There will be no more intercessor. People can cry. They can pray. They can scream. They can fast. They could run from church to church to church, altar to altar. They could think they're repenting, have a preacher to baptize them, and there'll be no mercy at all. None. There will be preachers during that time frame that'll be making altar calls, and this is just my opinion. But I think there'll be more people coming to the altar, bowing down, crying, screaming, hollering, so emotionally worked up that people for a season will think revival has broke out. They will believe that this is the long-awaited revival and under such anticipation that the false prophets, which is what they are, are telling them it's going to happen. And they will feel so moved and so emotionally struck. And they won't even realize not a one of them can get saved. You say, how can they do that? Well, they don't recognize now what God is doing. You see, it's blind leaders that are leading the blinded, so they have no idea where we are now, so they certainly won't have any idea once the Spirit of God is lifted from the earth. Brother Graham goes on to quote in Revelation, he that is filthy is filthy still, he that is righteous is righteous still. In other words, the sanctuary becomes smoky, where the attorney stands there to plead the case Christ leaves the sanctuary, his day of meditorial is over. The rapture comes, he leaves from the sanctuary, and he comes forth to take the book of redemption and claims everything that he's redeemed. There's no more mediatorial work. No more mediatorial work. Watch this again in conference. He said he's in the work now doing the work of redemption. But someday he walks from the sanctuary. Now remember the sanctuary being assembled in heaven. This is what John saw in various chapters of the book of Revelation. At one time the lamb was there. Another time angels are coming out with vials. At this time it's now become smoky. Very same building But the significance is different based upon the dispensation of where you are. Now, notice he comes to take the book of redemption and claims everything that he's redeemed. But then he goes on to say he's in the work now doing the work of redemption. But someday he walks from the sanctuary to take the book of redemption that he's purchased with his own blood. Then that hour, when it does, that hour is over. He comes forth to claim what he has redeemed. Now we are the redeemed of the Lord today, are we not? By the grace of God, they're all over the world, thousands of them or millions of them, how many ever they are, that's up to God. And yet they are the people of God, they are redeemed in their soul but their bodies are certainly not yet redeemed. And of course, Ruth is this antitype of what God is going to do in the book of Revelation. So Ruth is back waiting in the house of Naomi and she must fully trust Boaz that he will be able to complete this kinsman redeemer work. There's no more she can do. She submitted herself to him and believes that he will follow it through. Now, there are stages in this as there is with the Lamb of God. And this is what confuses people somewhat of the secular religion of the world. Listen to this in Souls in Prison. All that he died for was written in the book. And he could not leave his mediatorial seat until he had thoroughly redeemed it. Now, listen carefully. And he couldn't redeem it at the cross. Now, you see, this is what confuses people because they feel like that everything was totally done. The price was paid at the cross. No more price can be paid. The redemption was already bought and purchased. But this will not happen until the rapture. So the redemption of what Paul called the redemption of the purchased possession. So the redemption of the soul is a second stage, of course, of the redemption of what God had in his mind. The third stage is what God will redeem in our bodies. So we that then it will consummate in the redemption of the purchased possession. Today we're purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus. But notice he says he couldn't redeem it At the cross. Now he paid the price at the cross. But he could not take the book at the cross. As we looked at it last Sunday. Because he died the death of every sinner. He was therefore accursed out of the presence of God. So he could not take the book. He had to wait until he had moved back into that stage. Of the only one that could reach and claim it. Now what he's doing right now in where we are and have been for 2,000 years and seven church ages is he's working on every name that's in the Lamb's book of life. And also giving mercy to those who will accept it that's over in the book of life. Now, our God is so merciful and so wonderful, and he has so much grace that his grace spilled over beyond the Lamb's book of life, even over into the book of life. Aren't you grateful? He is such a loving God. Now, those in the book of life are not even his genos, his own kind. But yet he says what? Let him that's a thirst, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. Is that right? That's what he said. But yet those that are in the Lamb's book of life, according to Revelation 13, 8, Revelation 17, 8, their names were placed in there before the foundation of the world. Notice he said because they were predestinated in the Lamb's book of life and he had to stay there, oh my, listen to this, to make intercession until that last person was finished. Now not just saved and not just starting to come into the truth, but until that last person was finished. Then while this is going on, he's also doing another stage and that is he is our attorney as long as our attorney is standing there before the throne of God then that means the accuser is allowed to bring things against us how many knows that he does how many knows you got plenty to be brought against you that's right so because of the state of our mortality still existing watching this in the first seal He said, when Satan is cast out, the accuser, Revelation 12, 7 to 9, Satan, the spirit, the devil, which is up there now, the accuser of our brethren, then the the church is taken up, Satan is cast out, when the church goes up, Satan comes down. Then Satan incarnates himself in the Antichrist, and he becomes the beast. Now, whenever the Antichrist will be moving the mechanics of Satan under this last stage, it's getting together now, but there will be a person on the earth which will be the one in charge of all the religions of the world, the one world religion, and he will come in according to Daniel chapter 7, also Daniel chapter 9, he will come in speaking great swelling words and saying he's going to do this and that and the other. Daniel also says that he would cause craft to prosper, which is manufacturing. So he will come with great words and he will bring what seems to be a resounding peace upon the world. This is going to be a great man. This is Satan's superman but it's not actually the devil himself incarnate quite yet. But it will be the Antichrist who will sit in the temple of God showing himself that he is God and will be worshipped above all that is called God. And that will be the stage right before the bride goes up as far as it's working in the mechanics now. And it's going to gather. No doubt the man is on the earth this very day while we're gathered here. And it's waiting for the time when the rapture will come and the bride will go up and Satan will come down. So the Antichrist move is already in the land working on his one world religion. Is that right? And whenever the bride goes up, Satan comes down. And when he comes down, he will incarnate in this person called the Antichrist. Then it moves into the stage of the beast. So the beast's power is what will be enthroned. Notice the four seal. When the church goes up, Satan's cast out and it's done. All of his accusing is done. As long as the intercessor is still on the throne, Satan can stand there and accuse them because he's the attorney on the other side. The mediator is standing there though. Satan said, they're guilty. But our attorney said, they're not. So they go back and forth. And Satan said, they've done this and they've done that. And our attorney says, but I forgave them. They repented. They asked me. They said they were wrong. I throw their sins into the depths of the sea. Is that right? So we were, of course, of this world, had a fallen nature, unregenerate, and this is why we had to be born again. Now, coming back to where it was with Ruth, in this thing there was one standing between her and being rewarded, which is the fourth and the final stage of Ruth's journey, and that was Ruth rewarded. And it was the man that had the closer kin, and that was, as historians, Josephus Philo, different ones said, that his name was Tob. So it was Tob that was standing in the way between Ruth and her receiving a body change. Now that body change actually was a union between her and Boaz. She was going to get a body change. In other words, she's going to get pregnant. And it will be through that union that she will get a body change. Now, of course, we go back to where that God, before the foundation of the world, knowing all this evil would be here, nothing's taken him by surprise. And he had all of these things written out in the foreshadowing of the Old Testament, written in types and shadows. But notice now we go back to the gate again. Ruth chapter 4. Verse 11, and all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. Now it moves from the focus of where Boaz has said, I bought everything that was Malon's. I bought everything that was Elimelech's by the hand of Naomi. Now the witnesses must respond and then watch what they answer. And they say, we are witnesses witnesses we are the witness notice where they were they were at the gate we are the witnesses and the elders also said the same thing so it's like they get under the anointing of that hour and the spirit of God actually moves upon them and helps them to say something that they probably were so shocked that even came out of their mouths Now, I love it when the Spirit of God does it that way. And the Spirit can move on a person this way, maybe one time in their life and never happen again. And probably for some of these people, that's the way it was. Because what they're fixing to utter is something that is phenomenal. They're fixing to say something that would be beyond their own human understanding. Now, notice what they say. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel... And like Leah, the Lord make the woman which is coming to thy house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily and Ephratha and famous in Bethlehem. Now, why would they call these two names of these two women? And now they themselves probably wondering and being overwhelmed by it. But let's let's look before we go there. Let's look at, at Ruth herself. Ruth herself is now, as far as we know, she still has not been illuminated by this fact yet of what's went on. But she doesn't know it yet. But Ruth has actually moved into another stage. She's moved from loneliness to love. From toil to rest, from poverty to wealth, from worry, oh hallelujah, to being burdensome, to where she was all cast down, thinking she's going to get nothing, but she moves from worry to assurance. All this has now transpired by what happening, one man taking all of that upon himself for her. So she moves from despair to hope. And all of the great mercies of God. Now think the, the journey in Moab and the time that they were down there was about 10 years long. Ruth by now has been in the promised land just a matter of weeks. It's not like she's been there months and months and years and years and all this has happened. They've only been in this land just a little short time of a few weeks. But oh, when God gets ready, you've got to move. Oh, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad things may drag along and drag along and drag along and you wonder, is it ever going to happen? And when God gets you ready for it to happen, it'll be one, two, three, four, five, just like that. And you're thinking, my, it's happening like a whirlwind. Why? The time is right. The time is right. Now, so the people they witness there again in verse 11, and the people that were in the gate and the elders, so they now are the witnesses, and we know that God also when the Lamb took the book in the book of Revelation, that the witnesses were there, but this one takes a little different form from that appearance which happens in heaven. This one is in a very poetic form, yet a prophetical form as well. And the people, there's no doubt some of the same people that had looked down upon Ruth, some of the same women probably said, oh, that old Gentile, that old Moabite, she ain't good for nothing. Ain't it amazing how finicky a crowd can be? It's amazing how people can be so for you one minute and hate you the next minute. That's the way they've done the Lord Jesus. When the Lord Jesus come into the gate, they're riding on the white donkey, the the foal of an ass. What did they do? They screamed, they hollered, they rejoiced, they shouted. No doubt some of the exact same people was there just a week later and said, Let him be crucified. I myself do not want to be moved by the crowd. I do not want to be moved by this tongue or that tongue or another one. I want to be only so established upon God's word that nothing moves me in spite of what it is. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be motivated by my feelings. I don't want to be motivated by fear. I don't want to be motivated by the things of the world. Let me be built upon the rock of God's word. Now, wonder why they would have mentioned Rachel and Leah. And I want you to notice now the order that they mention it has a, there's a sequence to it. And that is that they mention Rachel first. Now, Rachel, of course, was the real wife of Jacob. She was the beloved wife of Jacob. And we know that Leah was basically by a form of his father-in-law's treachery and his deceit. And yet there was also a symbolism in it because Rachel had been barren for many years. Well, notice now because of the life of this woman, they're saying now may God bless this woman that's come into your house and may she be like Rachel and Leah. Well, we don't know exactly how long that Ruth was married unto this, uh, this former man, Malion. We don't know how long they had been joined together, but however long it was, she was barren. Ruth was barren under the administration of her first husband. She had no child. But they said, let her be like Rachel was. Rachel went through this time of barrenness for many, many years. And she becomes so distraught that she come to Jacob one day and say, give me children ere I die. He said, how can I do that? It's not up to me to give you children. God is the only one that can do it. But they said, let her be like Rachel and Leah. Now, I hope you understand the pattern of the scripture well enough to know that actually Rachel and Leah had the bountiful blessing of progenity more than Sarah or Rebecca. Rebecca had one, Sarah had one, but look at Rachel and Leah. Now we come to a different dispensation of the little town of Bethlehem, Ephrata, that is no longer going to be just a spot, just a little tiny spot there in a Judean map, if you would have been able to find it. But now time for greatness has arrived. And God has placed in this line of the DNA of the Messiah another Gentile woman. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but Rachel and Leah were heathens. They were not Jews. They were heathens. (laughs) Well, I telling tell by the look of some of y'all's faces, you didn't know that. Well, they were heathens and they were also idol worshipers. You remember Rachel, even when she left, she brought the idol and put it under her couch and hid it from her father. But you see, God had a line. Remember in the book of Matthew, when Matthew began to write of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus, that Matthew writes about five women which is very unusual to even mention the women in the genealogy, but Matthew wrote about five women. They were not Sarah. They were not, oh my, they were not people like Rebecca, but it was who? It was four Gentiles and one Jew. Amen. And all four of them come with a very, very bad reputation. Well, God even then was foreshadowing the coming of a Gentile bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they were of a foreign and a heathen origin. Now Rachel of course was the chosen one by Jacob and actually she was the one that struggled the most to be able to bring forth a child. Now I want you notice what they go on to say here in verse 11 that let her be like Rachel and Leah which two did build the house of Israel. Isn't this a very strange thing to say that they would attribute the building of the house of Israel to two women and not to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. So they attributed the building of the house to the women. Now people saying that we don't believe women have our rights. Well, you need to listen to us talk a little bit more. As a matter of fact, we believe the daughters of God had a very high, exalted place in the kingdom of God. Amen. Truly, the Old Testament did not allow them near as much. And Paul was one of the greatest ones in the New Testament to set the women free. Well, praise the Lord. Not free to rebel against the word, but true, real freedom comes from being able to walk in the harmony and the light of what God is doing in the day that you're living in. Is that right? Now, notice they said, which two did build the house of Israel and do thou worthily. The word worthily means strength and might, force and army. Do thou worthily in Ephrasa and be famous in Bethlehem. Now it also means fruitful. Now they are also speaking about under the spirit of God a prophetic utterance that under you under this new administration of a woman that the majority of them wouldn't have even wanted to be a part of their family but under that there will come a great explosion of the seed. Notice in verse 12 let thy house be like the house of Of Phares. Ah. Whom Tamar. Uh Uh-huh. Tamar. Another Gentile. Canaanite. Didn't know that either, huh? Whom Tamar bear unto Judah. Now you imagine the spirit of God when Matthew, now you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was actually not written when the Lord Jesus was on the earth. Uh, The four gospels were written some years afterwards and, and some around 55 AD, some 60, some say 65. So it was several, several years after the Lord Jesus had left the earth before the four gospels were actually even written. And you imagine when Matthew sat down to write the genealogy, and the Spirit of God began to anoint him. And he began to write, and he felt led of the Holy Ghost, but the he not to write in Sarah and Rebecca and the Jewish mothers, but he felt led of the Spirit of God to write about five famous women. And yet four of them was going to be Gentiles. And one of them, Mary, would be a Jew. But the others, every one of them had questionable situations, adulteresses, harlots, prostitutes. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, to me, if the Spirit of God moved on Matthew's heart to do this, don't you think we ought to look into it to see what the value would be there? Now, you remember, of course, that Judah's first son, his name was Er, E. E-R, just two letters there. E-R, and he was a wicked man. The Bible says that he was a wicked man, so God killed him. Well, God, you know, he, he can certainly move you out of the way. So God killed him. Well, uh, according to the Levirate Law, what Judah did was he gave his second son, which was called Onan. He gave Onan now to Tamar, and Tamar had lived with him. She was barren under the first administration, and she's also barren under Onan. And the Bible again says that Onan was wicked before the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Is that right? You know your Bible. That's right. So he has one more son. His name is Shelah. Now, Sheila, you know, Judah by now is having this problem with this woman. He's saying, my goodness, this woman kills men faster than I can reproduce them. I don't know what in the world is going on with her. So he he, he sent her back to her father's house And he left her there for quite some time. Now, what he did was he made a promise and said that whenever Sheila gets old enough, because he was still a young lad, when he gets old enough, I will call you and you'll be able to take him and he will be your husband. But alas, Judah thought, you know, kept going over and over in his mind. I've only got one son left. And think about it. Now, here we are at the very brink of the tribe of Judah facing extinction which is the chosen Messianic tribe. And Sheila seems like the only hope. But we've got this woman, which is a Canaanite. Now, preferably, her choice would have been Sheila, But since he is determined, he's not going to give him to her she begins to think of another plan. Now remember, this is the Old Testament and it does not mean that God approves of the way that the way they did everything in the Old Testament. Do you understand that? Now, let me read to you about Tamar. Philo, the historian which lived in the time of the New Testament. He says, Tamar was a woman from Syria, Palestina, who had been bred up in her own native city. She was devoted to the worship of of many gods, being full of statues and images, idols of every kind and description. But when she emerging, hallelujah, out of the darkness, was able to see a slight beam of truth, she at the risk of her own life, exerted all her energies to arrive at piety for a life of service and in constant supplication to the true and living God. Now, those of you that remember reading this in the scripture, you remember that Judah was going up with his friend the Adolamite and going up at the shearing of sheep. And she heard, Tamar heard about this, so what she did was she sat outside the gate and she dressed up in the attire of a prostitute. This was actually a temple prostitute attire. So she sits there and she put a veil over her face so he wouldn't recognize her. And Judah looks at her. By this time, Judah's wife has died. And Judah looks at her and thinks that she's a hearted or a prostitute. So he takes her to himself. And she says, what, what will you give me? He said, well, I don't have any money, I don't, uh, but I'm going to share the sheep and I'll give you a goat. Well, what will you give me? until I get your payment and she was very witty now she wanted his seal his signet this was his identity of who he was so he said okay no problem so he gives her that after he and his friend returned back and I remember God did not approve of this but I want you to understand that Tamar is not doing this out of lust she is not doing this to be a wicked woman. It must have been beyond her own comprehension. It was like there was such a desire in her to bring forth a seed of Judah that she could not even understand it herself. It must have been such a desire, such a a thing that drove her that she was beyond explanation. Now, we know that, of course, he sends hire the Deuteronomy back and to, to give him the goat. Well, once he comes back with it, then he says, well, where's the prostitute? They said, there was no prostitute here. You're in the wrong town, buddy. We don't believe in that here. Uh, the, no, there was no. Oh, no, no, there had to have been my, my friend here. No, 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 there's no prostitute here. So he comes back, and he tells Judah what's happened. He said, oh, my, let's just lay low on this, you know, my, damage control. So he just lets it go. Well, in three months' time, Judah hears Tamar is with child. Now, Judah, even though she's his daughter-in-law, ex-daughter-in-law, he is still her tribal head. So Judah says, we will burn her with fire. It's amazing how folks' righteous indignation gets all stirred up in it. Sounds like David, don't it? Boy, right. oh, the man that done this will be put to death. And the prophet said, you're the man. Yeah. It's amazing how harsh and how judgmental we can be until we need mercy. And then we want everybody to forgive us. Well, I wish somebody would say amen. <laughs> so Judah pulls her there, and my, they're going to make a big public show, you know, of it, and- So they begin to ask her questions. How did you go to God? I'll tell you one thing. You shouldn't have done this you Jezebel. I'll tell you one thing. You're going to hell. And she said. The man whose these are. Is the daddy. Then Judah says. She has been more righteous than I have.. So find out this woman is carrying twins. She succeeds in entrapping, not Sheila but the head of the tribe himself. Gloria. She resorted to this desperate means. And God hears her cry. She goes into labor. Genesis 38, 28. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand. Now remember, the right of the firstborn was a big situation there, like it is in many of the countries around the world still yet today. So, Zara actually puts his hand out of his mother's womb. Now whenever he does, the midwife grabs a hold of a scarlet thread. She ties it around Zara's hand. Well, when she does... Sarah pulls his hand back in. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand, that behold, his brother came out. Whoa. So the little guy's hand goes out, and then he pulls his hand back in, and then the other one says, "Out of my way! Out of my way! I'm the firstborn!" Hallelujah. Now, if you read Genesis chapter 38, you'll recognize historically this fits right prior to the time when Joseph is going to be carried down to the land of Egypt. And Judah has a big problem with the younger ruling over the older ones. And what's God fixing to do? God's fixing to do the same thing in his own house. You got a problem with God's way, God will make you like it. God won't tell you to lump it or like it. If you're a bride, you'll like it. You'll like it. Even if he's got to change you, he'll make you like his word. Now notice it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold, his brother came out and she sat. Now this woman, no doubt, has helped with a lot of babies. She's overwhelmed. So she's talking to this newborn child. Listen to what she says. How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore, his name was called breach or broken. So here's one that's going to break the breach. And they're telling Ruth, let your house be like the house of the breach breaker. Remember, through the union of Judah and Tamar came the natural genealogy of the Messiah. Praise be to God. That gives me hope. That gives me hope for some of you rotten outfits. Hallelujah. That gives me hope for some of us. Our laziness, our sorryness, our good for nothing, no count, rotten what that's who God makes his kingdom out of. Hallelujah. That's who the Lord makes his kingdom out of. Oh glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You see, the very same thing happens with Jacob and Esau. The very same principle of God. Now, God is fixing to take one that was a heathen. You know, the history of Judah is that he married this woman, which was a Canaanite. And she had already brought the Canaanite ways into the tribe of Judah. So God gets a hold of another Canaanite and she sells out her soul to him. A woman brought the heathen ways in and through a converted one, she'll take the heathen ways out. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can't you see how God is going to redeem can't you see why that a woman was what caused the fall there in the very Garden of Eden? Would it not be another woman and another woman and another woman and another woman that he would use to bring it back? Look at the Virgin Mary. Why would God use a woman if all they'd done was eat apples in the Garden of Eden? If they ate apples or peaches or pears, then all they need to do is pass around the apples again and everybody eat an apple and you're redeemed. But why did there have to be a virgin birth? Because it was a virgin's fall in the Garden of Eden. And God is going to use a virgin birth to bring back the breach, the one who's going to break the hole. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let the house be like the house of Phares, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Of this young woman. So this young Gentile woman is going to bring forth a son called Obed. Obed will be the revitalizer, the nourisher, the refresher, the renewer of Naomi's youth. It'll be through this son that she'll be changed back from an old woman to a young. Of the seed which the Lord shall give thee, Of this woman. Little did they realize. That from this union. Would come. King David. Little did they realize. From that union. In the natural body. Would come the greatest king. That ever was. Or ever would be. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. From who? A Gentile. Tamar notice in Ruth 4.13 so Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife and went in unto her the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son you know I get sick of the hypocrisy of our nation nation if one of you parents have a small child sitting in the back of your vehicle and a police officer sees that child not in the right car seat they can pull you over and give you a ticket we pass laws to protect children after they're born and they'll give you a ticket and yet The same law passes, gives laws and gives authority for doctors and abortionists. murderers is all they are to take the lives of the unborn. Think of it. A child is its most dangerous state in its mother's womb. Can you imagine a child being more safe in an automobile than its mother's body? Well, if you got a mother that's a murderer, yes, I can agree with that. Well, I know some of you may not appreciate that, but that's the truth anyway. I want you to notice the author of the book of Ruth, how that they looked at conception. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception. He didn't call it a mistake. They didn't call it a choice. Pro-choice for a woman means no choice for the baby she's carrying. Right. Well, come on, Brother Donnie, preach it. If you get quieter me, I'll say it again. And if you get quieter, I'll say it again. Pro-choice for a woman means no choice for the baby she's carrying. Hallelujah. Oh, Brother Donnie, surely you don't believe that they're a baby. I do believe my Bible. And my Bible tells me that God told Jeremiah before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Well, come on, not whenever he took the breath of life, not when he was born, but while his mother was still carrying him. Oh my, the Lord gave her conception. By an omen, think, she had married a young man in Moab and had no child. Man, now she marries the ancient of days and the Lord gives her conception. Amen. And she bear a son. The upholder of the family name. She bears a son. Now, sister, no disrespect. But male children were much more sought after in the Old Testament than females. Because of the inheritance And the patronage, of course, of the family. And carrying on the family name. It was a very important thing to them for the name to be carried on. That the name would not die. So they needed male, of course, babies to be able to carry this on. So God gives her a son. Now it seemed as if though the line of Judah... Was fixing to come to its end. But remember God lets it get that way sometimes. He may have let you sit here today and you feel like you're at the end of your journey. You're facing this and that and the other. You see no hope. You see no way out. But remember God still has a Judah. Remember, God still has a promise of his word. God was the one that said from the law would not depart from Judah until Shiloh, or Shiloh, the English word is. shall Shiloh become from between his feet, the prophetic messianic prophecy, Genesis 49, of who the Lord Jesus. How come he didn't pick Reuben? He was the firstborn. How come not Naphtali, Issachar? How come Zebulun? Not the other, but God chose Judah. Out of the tribe of Judah will come forth a lion. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Notice now verse 14. Now the attention changes from Boaz and from Ruth to the 144,000. And the women said unto Naomi, blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. Left thee this day. What day? The day Obed was born. So the progeny between Ruth and Boaz mm, was Naomi's redeemer. Uh You see, for 2,000 years, he's been working on a Gentile prize. Oh, hallelujah, oh, but Israel, you are not forgotten amen, we know all Jews are not Israelites, spiritual ones as Paul said, and we know that there are 144,000 that's yet to be brought in, when? After the Gentile bride is gone, the Jews brought it to us, we take it back to the Gentiles, Revelation 11, Moses and Elijah will come on the earth with what kind of message? Oh, offer this lamb, kill this turtle dove, no behold the lamb of God they'll preach to them repentance water baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the baptism Of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? While the bride's where? While the bride is entered into the tent with her Boaz, the Spirit of God is on the earth dealing with who? Gentiles choose. Millions of them are gathered now. Don't you notice? Even under this war going on in Ukraine, they've gathered there from Ukraine, from Russia. It might be the last one of the 144,000 stepping off that plane. I saw it the other day. Here they were coming off and what did they do? They stepped off and laid right down on the ground and kissed the ground because they were back home. Oh, praise the Lord. If the Jew would do that touching down in Ben-Gurion Airport, what would it be when the bride of Christ walks down streets of gold and we gather there with our Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, what a time, children. (sighs) (sighs) Naomi was empty when she came back. But now she stands here with a kinsman, Redeemer. Oh, but Brother of you said Boaz was. He was. But you see, actually, Obed is closer kin than Boaz. Amen. Ruth could look into the face of Obed and say, He is of my blood. He is of my flesh. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You have not been left without a kinsman, a redeemer. And he shall be unto thee. Now notice what this boy is going to be. He shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. Well, Boaz didn't do that. But this child... Brother Homer Longoria says it this way about grandkids. If he knew that grandkids had been so grand, he'd have skipped out on them kids and had them grandkids first. (laughs) And he says it's really grand when you see the headlights of mom and daddy bringing them and it can be just as grand when you see the taillights of them (laughs) going the other way. (laughs) You see, today was born Amen. A restorer of Naomi's life. It seems she was gone. But they will gather together and mourn when he appears and they look at him and they see the nail prints in his hands and in his side and they say, Where did you get those? In the house of my friends. And they'll pull apart and weep and cry. And the house of Joseph and the house of Reuben and the house of Naphtali and all the house of Asher and all of them will gather together, 12,000 out of each tribe, but they'll weep and they'll cry like they did with Joseph. They said, oh, 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 we're, we're, we're doomed. Oh, no, I said, no, 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 you're not doomed. This was done so I could get this wife of mine She's up in my big house. Right now she's waiting. We just, we just had our, our honeymoon supper. And I slipped down here in the ministry of Moses and Elijah. I've slipped down here with you. And I, I told them I'd be right back. They're still sitting apart at the table just rejoicing and worshiping and praising. But I wanted to come down and make myself known to you all. I'm going to restore your life again. You mean we're getting to go back home? You are but not this Jerusalem, but it's going to be the one that John saw coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. You mean we're not outcasts from the economy of God? Did not I tell you I would bring you from every nation under the earth? Did not I tell you by my prophets I would scatter you here and there, but I would gather you again? Yes, you told us that. You didn't realize, you didn't know that all them symbols of Tamar and of Ruth and of all them Gentile women of Rahab, you didn't see what I had in my mind, but I had in my mind a Gentile bride, but I can never forget you. You are my chosen people. I can never forget you Israel he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better to thee then seven sons hath born him. Now can you imagine these people which prevalently, absolutely, without, without, without even question in the Old Testament, preferred a boy to a girl. But here these people are saying, this Gentile bride, is worth more to you than seven sons. So we don't want a Luther. We don't want a Wesley. We don't want this man or that man or that man. We want Christ in his bride, which will bring the 144,000 back to their place. God, don't, don't, friend, don't don't get so caught up following this man or that man or that man. What we wanna do is find our place in Christ Jesus. People that still emphasize the men and the man this and the man that man. Sometimes you need to open your eyes and realize where you are. Can you imagine that this Gentile woman had more value than seven men? She had married the Lord of the harvest himself. What would have been the chances of seven sons ever having what he had? This is beyond their own tradition. Don't you see what the truth does? It shatters us away from our own traditions. They didn't even believe this. How could they have said it? Inspiration. For them to say a woman, a Gentile, a Moabitess is worth more than seven sons. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. Seven is the cardinal number to the Hebrews. Seven, ten, they have several numbers that they call the cardinal number. So, Seven would be the number that would be used as the crescendo of numerical value. It would be the number that you would try to attain to. So here comes a Ruth out from under seven sons. Seven church ages. Seven different moves. And she comes out and gives birth to what? Christ Christ. The Word. Amen. The Prophet said anybody that knows the Bible knows the body of Jesus isn't finished yet. How's it going to be finished? Through the bride giving birth mm-hmm. to the Word. Oh, praise the Lord. Don't you love Him? With all of your heart. Friends, what will we be? Outcast. Gentiles, worthless. Many of you look at yourself as being that very thing today. No good. Oh, I've made so many mistakes, haven't we all? Oh, I've fallen so short of the glory of God, haven't we all? But what's going to make it so great is that God will take us and finish the whole work of the Gentile church ages and cap it off with the believers in this age. Paul, John, Wesley, Luther, all of those men that lived and died in their day, and yet they without us are not made perfect. And God will bring out of this worst age that's ever been, the worst age, the darkest age, and out of that God will bring a group of believers that he can bring to the stage of completion and perfection and cap off the entire work and when that's done the resurrection sets him Amen. Stay Amen. 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 praise the lord hmm. praise the lord hallelujah thank you lord jesus Oh, I pray God will open our understanding and help us to realize what's given to our charge in this last day. Who are we to be able to say that God in his mercy would save us for this hour? But Zachary could let you live in the days of Paul. He could let you live in the days of Iranius or the days of Luther. If you'd have lived in that day you would have stood by the light of the hour because no matter where the seed falls, the light will germinate it. But God saved you for this age. The worst age it's ever been. Anybody ever feel like me that sometimes you think, Lord, I I don't know. I just don't know if I can handle it another day or not. Anybody? Yeah, some of you, okay. Well, the rest of you angels pray for us. (laughs) We'll be able to make it and arrive to your plateau. Life just gets so difficult. It gets so difficult. If I didn't have hope for a rapture, as much as I study, as much as I look at historical events and news and repeating of things down through time, I would be one scared preacher today. But in spite of all the things I read and all the things I hear and all the doomsday things, oh my Russia with their Satan II missile, which can destroy a nation with one missile. Not hundreds. They have between 5,500 and 6,200 nuclear weapons, more than any nation on the earth, more than us. But Satan II, can destroy half of America with one dropping. That's all. Ten nuclear warheads will be released from it. To be pre-programmed to go to Dallas. To go to New Mexico. To go to the White Sands. To go to Oak Ridge. To go to Washington. But the good thing about it is they can't send one up to where you're going to be. Praise, Praise the Lord. They ain't got no warhead program for heaven, Brother Jonathan, so we're good. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine one missile carrying 10 warheads with more power than the bomb we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? 10 of them. Remember the seventh vision that the prophet saw was the United States of America. And when he looked at it, it was nothing but smoldering heaps And big holes in the ground blowed out. Oh, I'm glad I'm not hiding in America. Aren't you? Hide me, old rock of ages. Would you love him today? How many wants the Lord just to be able to so wrap you in his arms and take you in his great providence and help you to be what he wants you to be? Can we just pray right now? All Father, as we're coming to the close of this story of Ruth, not only from the book of Ruth, but from the Gentile Ruth. And it went to end in such a beautiful way. But her story will not end anything like ours. There'll be nobody here to read it or you would have had it written, no doubt. We know that both she and Boaz had to succumb to death, Obed. And the genealogy kept going on. No doubt they had sickness and trouble. But this book of Ruth is coming to the end of it too. We love you, Lord God. Chronologically we believe the book of Ruth is placed just right. It's placed after the book of Judges. A terrible time in Israel's history. And when the book of Ruth ends, it opens up with 1 Samuel. So after the bride's departure, here comes the prophets back on the earth again. With thus saith the Lord to turn the 144,000 back to the Lamb of God. We don't know how many more months, days, minutes we have left. But Lord, this thing we know, we want to be ready. If there's any here today that's not prepared, Father. Maybe they belong to church. Maybe they've signed a church book. They've rendered a membership. But Lord, I pray you deal with every heart here today to know that that's not enough. We must be born again. We too, Lord, are waiting for redemption's claim. We're waiting for you to come and call us away. We know that Paul said, For the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Waiting for what? Redemption's claimed. The redemption of our body. When the last name has been splashed beneath the blood. Praise the Lord. And they've been completed in the economy of God. And you will step off of the mercy seat. You will change your garments, for it would be unbecoming for the bride to see you in a high priest's robe. Glory to God. But you will put on your bridegroom's garments. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the saints will be loosed from the sixth dimension their theophanies will start earthward. Therefore, if you have died and entered into the theophany, what happens? You bring the theophany to the earth to meet the redeemed body. And if you are here, you will take the body to meet the theophany. Oh, happy day when I introduce me to me. Praise the Lord. When I finally will get to meet myself for what I am this morning is not the real me. I am soul, spirit, and body, but I was intended to be soul, theophany, body. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you here this morning, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. May we be your Gentile roots. May we, O oh God, bear the reproach of your word. May we do everything we can. All oh, ancient of days, cover us. Cover us! We will bring forth the progeny of the word. Hallelujah, the troubles of life, the things of life, all types of difficulty, nothing but the trick of the devil to divert us away from our purpose. He'll try to divide us, to divert us away from our purpose. But may we focus on that no matter what comes our way. Hallelujah. We are called to a higher calling. We're not just called to be car salesmen, furniture salesmen, converter guys, painters, electricians, mothers, fathers. We're called to represent the Most High God. This is why we are here. And Satan cannot take us until that purpose is done. So back off, devil. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord? Oh, little Ruth, I don't know where you are here today. Maybe you're just deciding. Maybe you're getting sanctified. Maybe you're being pulled from one rim to another wherever you are. Follow the spirit of God as He pulls upon your soul. Hallelujah. What was Ruth's fourth stage? Rewarded. Ruth rewarded. Imagine what it'll be when that great city, I John saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Glory to God and the Lord Jesus speaks and calls us by name. And says come my love. Come. See the city. I have prepared for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will be worth all the trials we have been through friends. All the strain. All the difficulty. All the reproach you have borne for him. It will seem as nothing then. Blessed be the Lord God. Receive courage today. strength In the name of. El eye, pull up to the breast of shadi eye, and nurse strength. If you're sick today, nurse your healing. Hallelujah, if you're oppressed, nurse your deliverance. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh Lord God, we bless your name. Let's just worship him now for a few moments before we go. Praise the
1: Lord God. Oh,
0: Praise me. the Lord God.
1: We worship you today, Father. Oh, draw, draw. Oh, yes, I will, Lord. After, after, thee. after thee. Oh, draw me, Lord. Draw me, Lord. Oh, oh, Thank you, Lord, God. Me. Draw me, Lord.
0: Draw these young people. Draw every man, woman, boy, and girl, Lord God, into your presence, Lord Jesus. Draw us past weakness. Draw us beyond our past, our shortcomings.
1: Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. God bless your name.
0: sin in your way, anything that's hindering you, your past, whatever it is, bring it to him today. Let at the feet of Jesus. Imagine Ruth felt unworthy. Tamar felt unworthy. Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, felt unworthy. But God called them. It wasn't their worthiness. It was the call of God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I bless your name, Lord.
1: Hallelujah! To Hallelujah, Lord God! Oh, we worship God. you today, Lord Jesus. I I'm no longer the slave to my fears.
0: Thank you, Lord God.
1: From my mother's womb have chosen me, your love has called my name, and I've been go, blessed be the name of the Lord, but aren't you glad when you you hear those things about the destruction that we know that it's coming, that it doesn't strike fear in your heart, but it sounds like a really good exit strategy, is it not? I'm just thankful for that. Let's just sing this as we go this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord.